0: Daddij's friends and family, welcome back. This episode is the second half of our conversation with Martin and Zach Alcott here in The Corner. If you missed the prior episode, go back and check it out. In that episode, we learned a lot about the Alcott family. We talked to Zach about growing up as the older brother to world-class tennis player and disability awareness advocate Dylan Alcott. We also learned more about their dual businesses, Get Skilled Access, and The Field and covered a wide range of topics related to accessibility, disability, and how they are working to improve the lives of people in that community. We're picking up in today's episode with a more detailed discussion of the expansion of the field into the U.S. market. And I'm going to see what we can do here at Datages to help them in that worthy endeavor. You know, when I was your age, go ask your mother.
1: I know you don't like it. It builds character. How many times
0: do I have to tell you? I'm not just talking to hear my own voice. Hello, listener, and welcome to Datages. I'm your host, Chad Hagel. And if you are looking for some fatherly wisdom for your career, your family, or any other aspect of your life, then you've come to the right place. If you want to learn more about Datages, find additional content, submit questions or feedback to me, or if you want to know if that mental picture you have of me after hearing my voice matches my real face, visit datages.com. Thanks for being here. And before you listen to our podcast, please listen to your father. So Martin and Zach, let's pick up where we left off. I know you gentlemen have topics and questions you want to discuss regarding investment and, in particular, venture capital financing. Let's start there.
2: Well, we've been raising capital in Australia and it's been tough in the initial stages, mainly because of the way the market is. Inflation is high. VCs in Australia are certainly a lot more timid than uh, what we understand that the market is in the U.S. Our Intel from people we work with in the U.S. is that the VC market is coming back to some level of normalcy. But yeah, it, the questions that, that we really have around the VC funding is, is ex, you've already we covered it. You know, do we package it up all as one, or do we we have it as separate separate opportunities? Do we we think that a good way to go is potentially launch the field in the U.S. first and then bring Get Skilled access across? Um, behind that. Whereas pre-COVID, as you know, um, my wife and I, Dana, we were packing up to move to the U.S. We'd already been doing quite a bit of work in the U.S. with Get Skilled Access, working with um, American Airlines, the Hartford in insurance and a few other organizations. So that is a a question that we have to decide in in conversations with VCs.
0: A marketplace model is certainly easier to migrate than a service model, uh, just by its very nature.
2: Correct. Correct. Yeah, that's the advice that, or, you know, what the conversation we've had around it. Um, I guess the main question that I have for you, and I've been on the, the the capital raise trail for the last 12 months, is, you know, you talk about the difference between an angel investor and you talk about a VC, an angel investor, you know, can be a little more um, understanding. We think that there's another investor out there that you know, might be a mix between the two. And that is an investor that obviously wants to make a return on investment, but they also really like the social change aspects of what we're doing with the field. Does that, we think that investor exists here in Australia. Do they exist in the US, Chad? Can I just add one one little element as well?
1: Just to, I guess, the social change. I would also probably just add purpose-based. So it's a real purpose-based, um, and, yeah. Great call. And once again, kind of getting back to our our model, everything is very purpose-based. So I think if we can find people that have the same purpose-based mentality, um, and use the other P word around uh, predatory VCs, you know, hopefully there's um, some some purpose-based ones out there as well that understand the vision the change but then on the flip side you know we're not an nfp non-for-profit you know we're still here as well to have a sustainable successful business um uh, so you know and and we believe and we've proven we can have our cake and eat it too in that um in yeah
0: from that perspective yeah these are all great topics and let me back up and highlight a couple of more fundamental things and then answer a couple of these questions directly one is that when you're talking about the opportunity that you have to present into the investor marketplace, I think you're coming from a position of great strength. Um, I think that it's always better to come from somewhere than to come from nowhere. You guys are coming from somewhere for sure. You've got revenue, you've got management, you've got experience, you've got proof of concept. Most of the businesses that are showing up at the doorstep of a venture capital firm have none of that. It's, it's a dream. It's an idea. It's maybe a management team that's got some appeal to it, uh, but they probably haven't done nearly as much as you have for nearly as long as you have. So there's strength in that. Um, and the the second thing that I want to highlight is that uh, when you're talking about what's going on in the venture capital universe right now, uh, VCs are have never actually been venture capitalists. Venture implies that they're willing to take some sort of risk. The reality is they don't. Uh, they try to find that needle in the haystack where they can receive a risk-adjusted return for a deal that they've managed to fully de-risk before they put any money into it. So the the idea of a venture capital investor is somewhat of uh, an oxymoron. Um And in today's environment, money is tight. People are still looking for reasons not to fund rather than looking for reasons to fund. The story has to be super tight. I talked about it. There needs to be revenue and maybe even profit, which is a word that never entered the venture capital frame of reference in the last 20 years. Um, And they also need to see how it is that you're going to be using their money. What is the intended use of funds? And does it is the money that they're putting in being used to grow a business? Or is the money that they're putting in being used to create a business where one doesn't exist? And so again, I think the fact that you have an operating business, you can point to these metrics, you can point to your KPIs, you can point to your success in another market, gives you a head start in talking to VCs of any sort. So I feel like you should have confidence and you should have resolve in your engagement with VCs, because I don't know that you have to go find a socially conscious VC and one that has social motivations, because I believe that you can present a rigorous business opportunity to a VC that's simply looking for a good investment. Now, that doesn't mean they're the right investor for you. For all of the reasons you said, I think that you should be selective about your investor versus trying to hunt down an investor that you think might be willing to work with you. And when you talk about uh, socially focused VCs, mission driven VCs, there are certainly ones that exist. And I'm actually associated with one of them, and as is the Datage's friends and family. Uh, There's an individual by the name of Ward Hinden who was uh, a guest on Datages, uh, and he spoke on the topic of for-profit philanthropy. And his firm, Dangerous Ventures, is a nascent venture capital firm. They are equally busy right now raising their own capital for investment and deploying capital into companies right now. And they are a venture capital firm that does place value and does incorporate into their criteria Foc- focusing on socially uh, uh, measured investment. Now, it as you said, it still has to pass all the rigor and the tests of being a fundamentally successful business. And I think you can pass all of those tests. It's just a matter of packaging up and presenting it in a way that demonstrates that. But I think that this VC firm and we'll be making the the connection, the the Datages connection between. Uh, the field, Get Skilled Access, and Dangerous Ventures, uh, I think they are the type of firm that if you're being selective and looking for investors, they're one that is aligned with your mission and is focused because one of their key pillars of their venture capital firm is human performance and improving the quality of human life. And that's certainly something where there's a great affinity between your business model and what they're looking to invest in.
2: That's fantastic, Chad. I think, again, you've been reading our notes. There was a, through one of our our partners, they're very well connected with a, a high net worth family here in Australia. They're one of Australia's biggest trucking uh, organizations. And could we have got a couple of mil out of them potentially, you know, you can go to them and ask, you know, through their family office and things like that. But our purpose was, what's the money from a trucking magnate going to do to help us grow the field? So we're certainly looking at investors that had been, you know, in the digital tech area that understood what we were trying to do with the platform. Um, yes. If they had some sort of social objective, social conscious as Zach points out, but uh, it's certainly someone that uh, those areas where we weren't just looking for money, we were looking for wise money, money that could help us grow the brand, not just be someone that, you know, you're reporting back to it, a shareholders meeting every 30 days or something like that.
0: Absolutely. And as you're looking at VCs in the marketplace, I would give you a few things to think about. One, what is your unique selling proposition? And how does that align with the VC's mission? Two, what is the VC's track record? Can you point to companies that they've invested in that are representative of where you want to be, representative of Of the characteristics and the core values that you want to present to the marketplace as well. Uh, Three, how do you fit into their portfolio? Are there synergies between you and other companies that they're investing in where there can be cross pollination and a sort of all ships rise with the tide effect for you being part of their portfolio and part of their fund? And then finally, number four, how can you help them? Oftentimes, entrepreneurs ignore that piece when they're looking at how they can align with investors. What can you offer them? Not just how can they help you by giving you money or by facilitating connections, but continuing just as you are in every other aspect of your business. When you think about your investors, think about how you can be of service. And some of that isn't as noble as I make it sound, because offering them Formula One tickets is probably a way you can help them. <laughs> oh, so it's
1: all on me. All the pressure's on me. Okay, great. Thanks. No, no pressure, Zach. Just you know, grandstand yeah, yeah,
2: past right. four
0: days and do yeah, the Ferrari right. tent. That's all we need. Right there, no dramas. And I know. Uh, let's talk a little bit about beyond the world of VCs, because uh, VCs are obviously when you think of raising capital for business ventures, that is is the first and most obvious category, but. I believe that um, strategic partners, particularly at the stage where your company is is today, and particularly when you're looking at entering a new marketplace, I think strategic partners are always better than venture capital sources because they bring other benefits in helping you to grow your business or helping you to align your business with other business models that are complementary to what you're doing. And there's two ways to look at it. One is a strategic partner could be a much larger organization where you can provide a benefit to them that fits into what they are doing under an umbrella, so to speak. The other is it could be an organization that is of similar size or in a similar position in their development where there could be a co-raise, where you can look at a company that is already on the path to raising money themselves and maybe by aligning your business with theirs, there's an opportunity to present a, a dual funding opportunity to an investor. Um, and and there's another example that I can offer you of this that is, again, a specific example that comes out of this relationship uh, with Dangerous Ventures. If you look into their portfolio and you pull back the curtain and look at investments that they've made, one of, one of those opportunities within Dangerous Ventures that was introduced to me is HIKI. HIKI is an autistic dating application. And think of it as Bumble, uh, but it has been de- focused on a very specific community of individuals to facilitate those interactions. Now, if you think about the evolution of Bumble's business model in the conventional space, They went from pairing people in romantic relationships to pairing people with business opportunities. So, there is somewhere in Hickey's evolutionary plan that leap, moving from a relationship space to a career space. But maybe that's not something they need to evolve on their own because maybe you guys have it nailed already a lot better than they do in another place. And maybe there's a way for you to partner with them. And to together be stronger than either of you on your own, and they could be a vehicle for helping you enter the U.S. marketplace, and you could be a vehicle for helping them make that transition from romantic relationships to professional relationships.
2: Yeah, very I had a look cool. at their website. I had a look at their website, Zach, and it really looks fantastic. They've done a, a really good job on it. And as we discussed, Chad, there's a real synergy of opportunity there about you know, sharing from jobs to, to dating. And isn't it funny, when we were developing the field, we spoke about, wow, you could actually do the field dot dating as opposed to the field dot jobs as well. Because, you know, we, we looked at all the algorithms for, for organizations like Bumble, like eHarmony and all those dating sites, because that is how the algorithm works. You know, Dylan has got this skill set, this organization has got this. But if they, the organisation that Dylan would be perfect for, but they're on the first floor of an office block and there's no elevator, they've got to have stairs. They won't match Dylan with that uh, organisation because even though he might be perfect in every way, he can't get to their office and stuff like that. So it really is uh, a, an interesting uh, opportunity. And of course, we've had a look here in Australia through that partnership model, um, whereas uh, you know, rather than just looking. At At capital, because, as someone said to me the other day, the best capital you can ever raise is your own income, your own revenue, so
0: yeah, well stated, yeah, and you know we're very happy uh through Datages again to facilitate another datages connection here and put you gentlemen directly in touch with Jamil Kariam, who is the uh, c e o and founder of hiki
2: well that that would be great if any of the datages family wants to have a look at our i m we're we're more than happy to share
0: beautiful, beautiful. So I know that, uh, you know, you really wanted to you know, delve into a few other areas beyond just uh, funding and, and your venture, uh, but really looking at what you, the rest of your sort of keys to success and migrating a business from Australia uh, into the US and helping to grow that organization. Uh, happy to address any other questions that you have in that regard as well.
1: Yeah, I think for me personally, the the two differences that really struck me as well within the US market versus the Australian market is probably the concept as well around um, the small government approach within the US market. Um, It really struck me that a lot of the change and the access and inclusion that's getting done is really driven from a corporate level, like really driven by organizations where here in Australia, it's probably a bit more of a mix. Um, Our clients that we work with a lot of corporate clients, but then we also do a lot of work within federal government, state government, local government, Um, where in America, it's very much focused like for for us to be successful. I, I, I kind of look at it and read it like we need to be corporate heavily focused um, and there's, you know, not that many trips to the White House, um, uh, if, if, <laughs> if I'm being honest, uh, because it's very, yeah, small government. So it's probably us also getting that mix right. But is it us going out to, to kind of reaching out to corporate, cor- the corporate world and, and 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 kind of making those connections
0: and building those relationships and and, and going from there? This is such a great question, and uh, I have a lot of pretty strong and well-defined opinions about it. Uh, that's not a surprise to you, gentlemen, I'm sure. Uh, but <laughs> the, I'll share a couple of different perspectives that I think could be valuable to you. Uh, one is I'll, I'll, I'll give kind of a case study, a completely different domain uh, where I think things have faltered in the United States, and it speaks exactly to your point. And that's something that's much closer to what I do and it's the notion of sustainability in design, development, and construction. Uh, The government has tried for years and years and years now to inject rigorous requirements, uh, oversight, uh, even incentives to try to push sustainable green initiatives. And where it has really been challenged is I I talk about the notion of true sustainability. True sustainability, in my mind, has to be both green and green. And what I mean by that is it's got to be environmentally conscious. It's also got to be profitable. It has to have a bottom line positive impact for a capitalist society where investment is driven by ROI. If you're not getting an R on your I, it's not going to happen. And so the, that's a case where government has tried its very best to mandate, and the progress has been very slow, almost immeasurable, uh, whereas the, uh, an approach that is focused first and foremost on finding a problem, uh, finding an opportunity associated with that problem, and demonstrating a business case. That has a positive societal and social outcome associated with it, I think that's going to win every time in the US market. And that is the pathway to achieving your result. And if you can then help your clients to tell those positive stories, it all comes back to this storytelling. When you're talking about something that has a social value component to it, it's telling the story to make the sale and then it's telling the, letting your customer on the back end tell the story to get the juice out of it, to get the true benefit that they can get out of it. If you give them a story to tell, you not only give them the first tier of economic benefit, which is from whatever the direct outcome is you're producing from them, but you're magnifying and multiplying that by giving them a story they can then go market in a consumer economy and derive more consumer engagement and ultimately even a greater level of profit by having a great story to tell and so I think that is uh, a fundamental piece of what you you gentlemen are looking at now let me talk about another piece of where again admittedly strong opinion derived from admittedly my own personal involvement uh, engagement and experience but I believe that where our governments worldwide have failed us in trying to solve certain massive problems in trying to accomplish what at Stanford and in other places they've referred to as BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals, that these big challenges, these big problems that we face as a society where government has failed, NGOs have stepped in and are now carrying the load and accomplishing some of those objectives. So instead of saying, as you're entering the US market, where can we be looking at public-private partnerships, meaning where can we partner with the government, I would look at it just a little bit differently and say, where can we look at NFP slash FP partnerships? Where can we look at NGOs, not-for-profit organizations that have a lot of juice, that have a lot of horsepower? Because there are some nonprofits in the US that make a lot of money and are very powerful organizations. And if you can align yourself with those organizations, whether they be uh, a charitable organization, a foundation, uh, an organization that is mission driven, or uh, where a lot of my experience is, which is in the educational realm of nonprofit, particularly higher education, are there educational institutions with whom you can align yourselves to bring that additional credibility bring that additional horsepower bring the revenue that they have the government grant funding because that's where you can tie into the government is not by going directly to the government and saying we want you to support our initiative go to the educational institutions that are highly government funded and subsidized and have tons of money from NIH National Institutes for Health and others that they can then mobilize and put to work with a for-profit partner much easier than you can go try to cultivate those opportunities yourselves, because it's going to take you years to try to build a relationship with federal, state, or local government that is productive and fruitful for what you're doing. Whereas an educational institution that's already got massive government funding coming into it can be a great proxy for a governmental institution where you might have more success and more accessibility in getting into those types of organizations in Australia, from the way you are describing it to me. Yeah, that's great advice, and yeah, that's that's fascinating,
2: and, and it certainly makes sense, Zach, based on you know what we've tried to do here in a similar sense, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like we would almost treat the NFP space as we would treat our state and federal government, yeah. um, and when you were talking before, I think one of our strong suits at GSA in the field is how well we collaboratively work with our partners and how we really build relationships, but then also programs and products which are solution-based with with those outcomes. So everything that you've kind of spoken about um, doesn't seem daunting if I'm being, you know, putting my America confidence suit on. Um, that's we
0: we can we can definitely do that, and is right in our wheelhouse. Well, and let me make it even one step easier and less daunting for you, because here's where I'm going to come through with the Dadages hat trick, and I've got a third opportunity and a third connection that I can introduce to you through the Dadages friends and family that is going to open a door in exactly this area. Um, another uh, previous guest on Datages, Jeffrey Small, who's a very close friend of mine, he has uh, a soon to be son in law named Graham McGee. And stay with me on this. This is a few degrees of separation and connection here. But his soon to be son in law, Graham McGee, uh, has a brother uh, who is, uh, uh, has a, a disability uh, that is non physical. And uh, he is a part of a program that is based at Clemson University in South Carolina, and Clemson has a program called Clemson Life. And Clemson Life, the way they describe themselves and their mission is that they offer a collegiate experience that prepares young men and women with intellectual disabilities and not only gives them a collegiate experience, but then gives them a platform to prepare for independent living and competitive employment opportunities after graduating from their specialized education program at Clemson. And I have been given an invitation to introduce you gentlemen to Erica Walters, who is the executive director of that program at Clemson University, uh, because Graham's brother is, as I've been told, one of their star shining pupils. And she's Very, very excited um, to to try to engage in any opportunity that helps them further their mission. And I think that you gentlemen and everything that you're doing with the field and get skilled access could be a great fit for helping them. And there's tremendous benefit, as we've already described it uh, credibility, access, opportunity, uh, and and a direct uh, pathway to uh, clients, customers. Uh, and growth of your business, and by working with an educational institution of the caliber of Clemson and their program, the Clemson Life Program. That sounds fantastic.
2: fantastic.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: Awesome.
1: Go Clemson Tigers. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. I yeah. You got it. You got yeah, it. I exactly. took a punt on that one. Thank exactly. you, NCAA basketball. Now, that sounds fantastic. And, and that's exactly kind of, you know, that aligns so much with our mission and values you know and and we're not saying that stuff like good stuff's happening in the states and i think that's really an really important part to talk about is there is some really great programs um you know the fact that a institution like clemson has this scaled up already Mm. is um really exciting for us and that we you know we want to and going to your so I love the saying, you know, rising tides lifts all boats, and especially in the disability space. Like we we shouldn't be protective of um you know this space because there's so much work to be done. You know, here in Australia, but especially you know just to the sheer volume of people in the states. You know, it, it really is that um let's kind of come together with all the great that work that's being done and you know tone the volume up on it and and you know so. Um, we say Graham here, Uh, (laughs) uh, you know, how we can get Graham uh, employed in a meaningful, successful role um, and long term. So yeah, it's super exciting.
0: That's fantastic. Well, gentlemen, we're coming up on the 90 minute mark. This has been a fantastic discussion. The time has just flown by. Uh, If there are any last topics or questions that you want to cover, uh, now, now is the time.
2: Chad, I, I just had one other and it's,
0: you know, maybe a, hopefully a
2: quick answer from you, yes or no, because it's maybe a difficult one. I just would like to appreciate the appetite of change you think is in the American market and economy at the moment. Zach says a great thing where um, our, our office space, our workforce should be a snapshot of our community. So we're telling you that 20% of the US population have a disability. Find me 20 organisations that have a 20% employment rate of people with disability and it's probably a struggle. I think the market is absolutely right for products like organisations like both The Field and Get Skilled Access to to be successful in the US. What do you think?
0: I absolutely think so. And uh, I think that one of the greatest challenges we face in the US right now is a labor shortage. Uh, we mm. still have massive problems with applying labor to the work that needs to get done. And I don't want to get too political about it, but people look at, oh, the 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 only lever we have to pull is immigration policy, and can we open the border again and bring a labor force back into uh, the country? But there are a lot of people here in the U.S. that are perfectly capable of performing quality work and accomplishing the, the work that needs to get done for us to get this economy back on track again. And why not find a way to empower ourselves and to take advantage of a labor force that we have right here, right now um, at our fingertips that we're just missing um, and leaving out of the equation altogether. And, and I think that it's truly fundamental to getting the US economy back on track is getting more people to work um, and if there is a tool that can open the door to this other alternate labor labor force that can come into the market as some of the conventional labor force is retiring, aging out, some of them are just deciding they don't want to work anymore, uh, but if there's a population of people who are able and willing to work and we can accommodate those people, and if you can paint a picture of how uh, a corporation an organization can benefit from that uh, and on the bottom line and if you have case studies uh, that you're able to present from your work in Australia uh, where you can prevent present something that is fact based uh, that has metrics attached to it uh, that is quantifiable and a narrative that you can tell I think that you can be very successful in doing so uh, and then I think that the other competitive advantage that you have to offer and I love you know, coming back to what you're saying, Zach, that Dylan wants to make accessibility and disability sexy. If you can sexify uh, these things, sex sells. It is a fundamental fact of a capitalist economy. is a fundamental fact of the Western world. is a fundamental fact of these great United States. Sex sells. So you have a great spokesperson in your organization who is, whether he is at the UFC in Vegas, whether he's partying, whether he is in the Mediterranean, he is actually building your business for you, whether you know it or not. And that's why you know one of the things that was so exciting to me about the the, the story behind what you're you're bringing to the table. And again, I keep talking about stories, stories, stories. If you can. Personalize these things, and if you can sell it as a story, it's going to be so much easier to get where you're trying to go. Um, and I think that Dylan is a big part of that, and and integrating him in a way that is uh, productive, valuable, personalized, tasteful, uh, but truly uh, tell that story. It's it's going to give you a huge uh, advantage in the marketplace. And I think that that's something you know we talked about before uh, beginning this uh, episode, and I want to kind of come back to it, is that uh, we want to stay engaged uh, with the two of you. We want to stay engaged with the field. We want to stay engaged with the family. And we look forward to having the opportunity to engage directly with Dylan as well and helping you guys bring his story to our friends and family and beyond here in the U.S., and, and giving you guys every advantage we possibly can, uh, because I love your family. I love your mission. I love the, the, the company. I love everything you're trying to accomplish. And I would love to be a part of it. And and I want to try to help you guys in every way that we possibly can here at Datages to be as successful as you can here in the U S marketplace and beyond.
2: Thank you for those very kind words, Chad. My only downside is that, uh, after if they've listened to the first episode now they listen to this one they will be kicking themselves saying why did i waste 90 minutes i should just listen to the Sun. he makes far more sense so hopefully they'll listen to my first one and then uh, they'll still pick up the second one well you
0: you warned Can't have one without <laughs> the other <laughs> <laughs> exactly no, Chad, we want to with you. yeah
2: we're really appreciative of the time you've given uh, zach and myself and the opportunities in the future um, you know we had a great connection when we met all those years ago and uh, we really appreciate you taking the time on daddy's to uh, let us talk a little bit about two businesses
0: we're obviously excited about for a multitude of reasons absolutely and uh, you know we ha- already gave you the opportunity uh, Martin in our last episode to keep going one of our uh, legacies and traditions of the uh, the bad dad joke and today rather than uh, ending with a bad dad joke, uh, I decided to take a little bit different angle, and I want to end with a really amazing, heartwarming story for you gentlemen. Um, Two weeks ago, uh, in the midst of engaging with you and and talking about uh, disability and educating myself about it and learning about everything you do, and in celebrating uh, Disability Awareness Month here in the United States, I traveled for my own business to a small town in Tennessee, Greenville, Tennessee, population about 15,000 people, where we are currently under construction for a Planet Fitness uh, health and fitness facility. And uh, this uh, has been a project, uh, of one of several that we're developing that has been a struggle because of everything that is going on in the U.S. economy right now, construction cost overruns. Inflation, interest rates, labor shortages, it has been a nightmare. And it's going to continue to be a nightmare for us. We're probably going to end up in litigation with the general contractor that's involved in these projects. And I was out there actually to prepare ourselves for all of these uh, potential negative outcomes. But in the midst of all of that, through fighting tooth and nail, uh, this location was about to open. And when I was out there two weeks ago, it was going to open three days later, they had fully staffed. Uh, Their entire staff was there when I was doing my visit to the site, and and touring the facility. I met a young man who was wheelchair bound. uh, And his name, after I introduced myself, and he shared with me that his name is Cameron Ham, Cam Ham. And I started talking to him, Martin, about my engagement with you, and we had just uh, uh, produced our episode together, and I talked to him about Dylan. I said, do you know who Dylan Alcott is? And he hadn't heard of him before, but when I started describing Dylan's uh, accomplishments in tennis and, and basketball, Cam's eyes lit up, and he got so excited. And He said, I play wheelchair tennis, I play wheelchair basketball, I play wheelchair rugby, and I'm a wheelchair snow skier. And I said, wow, I I see why they have you working at a health and fitness club. Uh, And I talked to him about the field. And I talked to him about your mission of trying to connect uh, individuals with disability with employment opportunities where they, they can be compatible. And he said, that is the most amazing thing I've ever heard, because let me tell you my story. And Cam went on to say, five years ago. I was in an accident. I rolled my Jeep. I was thrown from the vehicle. I severed my spine. I haven't walked since then. But more importantly, in five years, I've never had a job. He said three days ago was my first day on the job. And it's the first job I've been willing to take the chance and get out there. And I'm so thankful that Planet Fitness created the opportunity for me to come here and have a job. And I sat back and I said, in the midst of everything I described to you guys about all of these business challenges and all of these trivial things in the grand scheme of things that we're struggling with, the fact that we could be a small part of creating a job opportunity in this small town in Tennessee where there probably are no such opportunities for someone like Cam. I said, Cam, you're definitely making the podcast. And (laughs) I I wanted to share that story with you, gentlemen. And if it weren't for the engagement I've had with you and learning about the field and, and sharing with your family and having been you opening your family to me and sharing Dylan's story, that moment wouldn't have happened for me. And so I thank you for that. and and for making that moment possible.
2: Chad, I can see, both Zach and I can see how obviously emotional and affected you are about having met Cam. And let me tell you, I've had those moments over and over and over again. And all I can say is, you know, well done, as I said in our last episode of making yourself vulnerable and opening yourself up to, to be told that, you know, I'm not using the right language and stuff like that. But the bottom line is this, Chad. Everyone deserves a job. Everyone deserves to work, and uh, everyone deserves an opportunity. As Dylan says, doesn't he, Zach? Everyone ob- deserves the chance of love and and to work and to travel and everything like that. And hopefully, through the field and GSA, we can facilitate that. Because I so tell you what, I reckon Planet Fitness are lucky to have Cam, and he's going to be one of their best employees. And I reckon Cam is going to be with Planet Fitness for a long time, and they're going to be very, very happy with the results they get from cam.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, Chad, you know, for every cam ham that we meet, and shout out to cam ham, congratulations <laughs> on your new role. That's very exciting, my friend. There's there's so many more cam hams at home that aren't getting that opportunity, you know, especially when we think about um, road, road accidents and things like that. These are people with skill sets that have been in careers and, you know, they're... they're because of their circumstances, you know, being in accidents, et cetera, now can't get back into the workforce. And, you know, that emotion that you're feeling now, you know, really, it's a real driver in a way for a lot of the work that we do or all the work that we do, mate, if I'm being honest. And I'm so happy that you've been able to experience it in a way um, because you know, you might've noticed the passion that we talk through throughout this, um, um, you know, this podcast that, that feeling really drives us, um, when, when we're getting out of bed and going to work every day and, um, you know, it's, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, not every, you know, as that, just know it's, it's hard to start up businesses. It's even harder working with family. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but, but we, it, 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 like that, that feeling, you know, really does, you know, drive the work that we do as well as, you know, everyone here um at at GSA in the field. So yeah, I I just echo Martin's thoughts, mate. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. But then also, mate, great work going not great work, but I'm so happy you went over and engaged with Cam and was able to have that conversation in the thick of what sounded like a pretty hellacious week. So um, you know, Great, great work. Congratulations opening the, the site. You know, that's something that in itself. And, you know, I'm so happy that you were able to put a bit of a cherry on top with, with um, meet, having Cam in your life. And, yeah, definitely get him on the pod. Cam, I love the snow. Um, hit me up. I'll <laughs> definitely come. I'll def- I, just, I just did a week in very crappy Australian uh, snow conditions. So if you want to bring me over to the States, um, we, can do a, we can do a podcast on one of your, uh, one of your very
0: nice snow hills. Beautiful. Well, gentlemen, thank you for everything you do. Thank you for your commitment to this space. Um, It's been a great engagement over the last three weeks. And as we wind down our uh, exploration of Disability Awareness Month here in the United States, uh, it's a fitting conclusion to to share this time with the two of you. And I look forward, as we said, to continuing to engage with you and the family and the field. And uh, helping you guys achieve the the greatest level of success possible, and uh, we'll look forward to connecting in those future episodes. And until then, I'll, I'll remind our the rest of the friends and family: Dad may not always know what he's talking about, but he sure can sound like he does. Thank you, Chad. Thanks, Good on you, Chad, thanks, everyone. Cheers.
1: Thank you for listening to Datages. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to visit Datages.com and subscribe to the Datages Podcast to get notified for future episodes. You can rate a review on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Why? Because I'm your father and I said so. Just a little respect is all I ask for. I put a roof over your head and food on the table, and what do you do? No, tell me exactly what do you do because I'm doing everything, I'm paying for everything? No, get
2: back here, get back here right now.